0: Mark 11, verse 12 to verse 14, and verse 20 to verse 24. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing in the the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, May no one ever eat from you again. And his disciples heard it. Verse 20. And they passed by in the morning. They saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus said to them, Now, Kevin Cayley is a huge fan of Reading Football Club, right? Uh, I think the, cra- the club, the football club, is known as the Royals. That's their nickname. And uh, Kevin lives in uh, West Sussex, right? And so to express his love for the Royals, he has uh, an Instagram account. And the handle on his Instagram account, uh, which is had for the last three years, uh, says at Sussex Royal, Right? Now, which is a good thing, Sussex Royal, very simple, right? Uh, He lives in Sussex and he's a a Royals fan, so he's a Sussex Royal. And now in April this year, he tried to log into his account, uh, only to find that the name is now owned by the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. (laughs) Harry and Meg, of course, right? And uh, the true Sussex Royals, right? And uh, Instagram just took this handle from him, without even asking him, right? And there is nothing he can do about it. He's gone. Yeah. They did just like that, and he moaned about it, but really, he's powerless to do anything about it. Life is full of those moments, isn't it, that Kevin has experienced where we just feel powerless. Something has been done, we can't do anything about it. Or We are in a situation, and it's just, we feel very powerless to change it. Now sometimes these things are very trivial like just somebody taking, well not to him anyway but they can be trivial just taking somebody you know somebody taking your Instagram or Twitter account or your Facebook account. It's quite trivial. I'm sure you can find the latest social media site and get a different uh, uh, handle. But some of the times we feel powerless are, they can be very painful times of powerlessness. At this moment as we are sitting here someone in Bexley Heath is probably waking up with an illness with no medical cure. And she probably feels helpless about her future. Another person is probably making a cup of tea around the Bexley Eve. And as they are making a cup of tea, they are fighting back tears in a losing battle against depression. A dark cloud hangs over their heads and they feel helpless. Someone probably has a secret addiction to painkillers, and he knows it is destroying his life, but he feels powerless to stop it because he needs those painkillers just to get through life. Life has many issues like that that leaves us powerless. I wonder what mountain are you facing at the moment that seems impossible for you to climb? What powerless situation are you facing? We are currently on the road with Jesus in the book of Mark, as you know. um, Last week, we saw Jesus do something that all of us are powerless to do, right? He pronounced judgment on the fig tree. We saw that in verse 12 to 14 of Mark 11. And he didn't just pronounce judgment on it. The next day, as they are walking, they found out that this 10-metre, it's probably about 10 meters. Of they could grow even up to 15 meters, fig tree. So when we think of a fig tree, we tend to think of like a little thing. But the fig tree could, could even grow up sometimes 15 meters. It could be quite, we think it would have been a sizable tree. And this tree had withered after a day to the roots, completely dead. It did something amazing. Something that we are powerless to do. And as the disciples are looking at such an act, that miracle that Jesus has done, they are shocked at the power of Jesus. Look at verse 20 to 21. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree. It's a tree, it's not a small thing. Withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look. The fig tree that you cursed as withered. Levi Matthew, who is also present in his account, says the disciples actually phrase this as a question. How did the fig tree wither at once? What they are really asking is a question we all have. Where can we find such superpower to, that could cause a fig tree to wither like this? Where would we find such superpower to overcome any powerless situation we are facing in our own lives? And our Lord Jesus gives us the answer in verse 22 to verse 24. Let's just read that. And Jesus' answer of how happened, Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. Verse 23. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain... Be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. We can summarize the truth of what Jesus is saying here in one sentence Have faith in God alone. The answer to whatever situation you are facing this morning in your life is not to have faith in yourself. It is not to have faith in faith. It is not to have faith in people. It is not to have faith in the government. It is not to have faith in your parents. Have faith in God alone. Have faith in God. Now, what our Lord Jesus is saying here is very strange in our society. 99% of people you, meet, you meet this coming week, this week, will not agree with his words. They will not agree with the words that the answer to everything is have faith in God. You know, if tomorrow you have a problem at your place of work and you tell your boss, the answer to this problem we have at work is that we must have faith in God alone. I think nowadays you may even lose your job. Just ask that doctor. I mean, you may just lose your job completely. You see, when many of our classmates at school or our co-workers or our friends hear the word faith, they are quick to tell us that faith has no place in their lives. But in fact, that is not true at all, you see, because every human being... Everyone here, every human being, lives by faith. Everyone does. Think about how much faith you have lived by just to get you to church this morning. Think about that. You go into a car, believing it won't blow up on you. You know, sometimes when I'm going to my car, I worry, right? I'm thinking, ah, somebody may have put something underneath, who knows? But today, you know, you got into the car without worrying about that. You believed, you had faith that the car is okay. You just got in there, turned the ignition on. And if you came here by mom driving you here, you had faith in your mom that she slept well. You trusted her judgment on the road to drive you here to church. safely. you had faith in your mom or your dad. And while your mom or your dad was driving, they trusted the traffic lights to work. Just at that moment, they were very confident that they are working as they should, right? And they also trusted other drivers to obey the rules of the the road. Because if they didn't have trust in other drivers, they wouldn't even try and drive. There are places in this world where I would not get on the road to drive. When I go to Zambia, I don't even want to drive. Because I don't trust. I don't have faith in the other guys to obey the same rules that I live by. But in this country, I have faith. Another driver, so I'm happy to drive um, here. And you go here by faith, didn't you? You came here by faith. You're trusting this building will order. You're trusting that chair you're sitting. And we are going to eat lunch soon by faith. We are trusting others have cooked food properly, right? And you have faith that I have not cooked anything. (laughs) I know brother, Kwaku definitely (laughs) wouldn't eat anything that I'm cooking. Right? You have faith that I haven't gone anywhere near uh, to make a barbecue or anything else like that or to cook something for you. All of us live by faith. And most importantly, all of us have something or someone we put our faith in more than other things. So we have this little faiths going on right in our lives. But usually in our lives, is something that is even dwarfs them. Something that we are putting our faith more. Everyone here has something you are looking to to make your life worth living. Something or someone that you are investing in your life to make your life go well together. And if you didn't have that thing... You'd feel powerless in your life, you'd feel depressed, you'd lose confidence in life. You'd feel very low, you just perhaps just feel tired of life if you didn't have that thing. And for some people that thing is their family, right? Or perhaps a career, or maybe that thing is, is money for them. Or perhaps it's a hobby, it's what makes their life tick. It's something that they have faith in. Or perhaps it's a relationship with the opposite sex. Perhaps plan, perhaps savings they are making. They have faith in that. And whatever that thing you have faith more than other things, that thing is your God. It is what you worship, actually. You live by faith in that thing. So the question for everyone is not whether you have faith in God... But who is your God? Right? And he or it or she. She reliable. Who is he? Who is she? Who is it? And Jesus says here that our faith must be not in any other thing except the true God of the Bible. Our faith must be in God alone. Who alone really is God? Our faith must be in this God who has revealed himself in the Bible. Look at verse 22 he says, doesn't it? Have faith in God. Have faith in the God of the Bible. And in him alone. The original word for faith here means to trust. Actually, That's why in the Old Testament, if you read the Old Testament, you won't really find the word faith. You find the word Trust. Because, actually, trust and faith is the same thing. And so, what do we need to have trust in people or in something? Well, what we need to have trust in people is that we need to know them well in order to truly trust them. Right? This is why parents here, we tell our children, don't we, don't talk to strangers. When you're on the bus or when you're on the train, don't talk to people you don't know. They may sound nice, but you don't know them well enough to trust them. We live in a dangerous world, don't we? You must only have faith in people. That's why, if a uh, sort of a person with a, a strange accent calls you up, you know, that is a Zambian accent that they're saying they live in Cheshire or somewhere, and they call you up and say, Can you transfer some money into this account and that? You don't know them. I mean, you, you, you're encouraged not to even entertain such a call. Block it, we are told by the banks. You see, to have faith, we have to know. And in the same way, faith in God is about trusting God based on what we know of him. Faith in God requires that we know him and he knows us. But faith is not just about knowing about God and knowing that he knows us and we know him. Faith is putting our full weight on God. We give him our heart. We place ourselves in his loving arms. You see, faith is more than just saying, I know and believe this water, you know, this, this water is good for me to drink. You know, this water here. Thank you, whoever put it there. Thank you very much. Uh, faith is than just me admiring this cup. Faith is me taking this cup and drinking it, trusting the water, so to speak. That is fine. Faith always involves action. That's why the reformers always talked about faith in three ways. Faith is knowing, assent, and then actual trust itself. Those three three steps. It involves action. It's a relationship that involves acting. Us placing our full weight on God. True faith in God does not just believe about God, we say. It believes on God. It puts its full weight on God. It surrenders life to God alone and nobody else. And so Jesus says, have faith in God. And immediately we can see what Jesus is getting at. Jesus is saying faith in God is a relationship. Right? When Jesus says have faith in God, he's saying know God and surrender to God. Surrender to him. Jesus is not saying just believe the God of the Bible exists. Jesus assumes you do already. He knows... We already do even you already know you have a god You're, you're putting your faith and trust in but he's calling you to surrender to this god of the scriptures the god of the bible he says surrender your heart your will to him have faith in god and for jesus faith in god is obeying mark 8 verse 34. do you remember that this is a controlling verse in all of Mark. You're wondering, what does it mean to have faith? It's Mark 8 verse 34. Because you remember, Mark 8 verse 34. And calling the crowd to him, with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, he doesn't say, believe the five points of Calvinism. He doesn't say, read Genesis very well. He doesn't say, evangelize. He says, if anyone would come after me, let him do what? Let him deny himself. And take up his cross and follow me. So what is the other word in Mark? Faith is always death to self. It is losing control of your life to God. You are now a slave of Jesus. Have faith in God. Be a slave of Christ. Die to self. And what is in it for us if we have such a faith? Well, when you have died to self, when you have lost control to God, whatever you pray will be done because you only want what God wants for you. It's that simple. And this helps us understand verse 23 to verse 24. Jesus says, Truly I said to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, verse 24, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. You know, in the Bible, the mountain is a metaphor for impossible challenges in life. Jesus is saying, surrender to God, and you will conquer any mountains. You know, when you join a company, the possibilities that lie ahead of you in that company are only as big as the company. Right? So if your company is UK-based, right, then your career in the company will always be restricted to the UK. But if you're like Brother Peter, the evangelist who's moved to Texas, you join the global company, right, then there's no limit. <laughs> you might find yourself like uh, uh, Brother Peter and Sister Rosa found themselves in. They found themselves in Texas. Their company as global rich, and is taken them places. In the same way, Jesus is saying faith is only limited by the God we have. And our God in Christ is an infinite God, and he can do anything he wants. But here is the key the more you surrender to him, right? The more you die to self, the more his power flows through you, right? And in fact, the more your prayers will now be answered. Why? Because you will only pray to God what God wants you to pray about. His will governs your will. So Jesus can say, whatever you ask will be increasingly granted. Why? Because the only things you'll be asking are things based on have faith in God. There are things based on death to self. You're not going to ask for Bexley to be uprooted in the sea. Why? Because that means you have not truly surrendered your faith to God. Because God's purposes are not, would not be in terms of destroying people in that sense. Do you see? The key here to understand this passage is those words. Have faith in God. And we have to ask what is faith in God? And in Mark, faith in God is death to self. You know, some people... Foolishly read these verses as saying, God will do anything crazy I think of, as long as I confess very hard, it will happen. But you see, they have another benefit of what we've had, which is we've gone through Mark verse by verse, and we understand now what faith is. It's Mark 8, verse 34. In the book of Mark, as I said, faith in God is losing your life in Jesus. It is death to self. His will, not your will. His desires, not your desires. It is a surrender-based relationship. That's what faith is. A surrender-based relationship. Where our desires die and we now live for God. And we pray and only pray for what God desires. And we get it because we are praying to God the Father through Jesus by the Spirit. And the good thing is that because the more we surrender to the desires of God, the more his power flows in not just our lives, but in every situation. Jesus is saying to us, all his true followers here, he's saying to you, if you're a true follower here, have faith in God alone. Keep growing in surrendering to him alone. This is not a faith that serves you. Jesus says you're already a follower, but he's saying continue to die to self. Continue to surrender to him. Continue to grow to allow his power to flow in and through you. Die more and more and more and more and more to him. And if you're like me, you know you need to hear this. Because you're always tempted to have faith in yourself rather than in Jesus. How do I know that? Well, I know that because this past week you have struggled to pray, some of you, for more than 10 minutes a day. That's how I know that you do not have faith. You're not growing in faith in God because you're prayerless. That's why Jesus here links prayer, in verse 24, to exercising faith. You could shout about that you have faith in God, but if you're prayerless, it's proof that you don't have faith in God. How do I know that this church generally needs this encouragement? Have faith in God. Because this church is most empty when we come to prayer. That's the church voting with its feet saying, we don't yet have faith in God. How do I know that you are struggling, uh, you don't have faith in God, because I know you are not... Eagerly sharing the gospel with others You know this for yourself Why are you struggling to share the gospel With your friend at work or others Because you, don't, you are not growing In obeying this Have faith in God Because if you had faith in God You share the gospel more Because you know God is great Your faith works And it can serve that person So you know, I know, we depend on other things, because we make more other things more important than God himself. Now, if you're a true follower of Jesus, at the core, as you hear that, you are not saying, oh, this is just dismiss it, this chola is going on again this Sunday, right? No, you are hearing that, and you're saying, yeah, I do want to obey God more, and Lord, forgive me. Perhaps you have even whispered a prayer to God, Lord, help me to have more faith in you. Right? You want to have more faith in God. That's a true believer wants to have more faith in God. And the question is, why do we struggle? then if we want to have more faith in God, why are we struggling? Well, there are many reasons, and I'm sure some of you would give good theological answers on why we struggle to, have, to grow in faith in God, even though we want it. But I think the main one, which is right in front of us here, is that we doubt our faith in God works. I think we just doubt that our faith in God actually works. As human beings, we tend to struggle to give our hearts fully to other people. (laughs) That's a fact, right? Uh, It is part of our fallen nature to distrust other people. Uh, We are born distrusting one another, I would say. And on top of that, our experience confirms it, doesn't it? There is no one in this room who has not trusted someone and not been disappointed. You once gave your heart, your friendship, you cared for others, and you suffered for it. People often disappoint us. And the more we experience life, the more difficult it becomes to truly trust other people because our experience tells us, oh, it's bound to go wrong, right? It's going okay, but watch it, it's bound to go wrong. Right? And the thing is, we bring then our human experience in our relationship with God. When God gives us a new heart and we are born again, we are still under sanctification as it is called. We are still growing in trusting Him. But because we have got this whole human experience to go with, even every day, we treat God the way we treat other people. We struggle trusting God because the human experience tells us, eh. today we are trusting, tomorrow we are disappointed, you know, that kind of thing. If you like, we carry old wounds around us, even in our relationship, we bring that. Into our relationship. It comes into our marriages, of course, and other things we do, but fundamentally, it comes in the relationship with God as well. So when we hear Jesus here tell us, have faith in God, part of us who are born again, right, believes that truth. We are praying to believe that truth. And a part of us is doubting still. We could believe it this Sunday morning, but tomorrow we might forget, Wednesday, we are still beginning to depend on ourselves again. Right? Because we live in a world where our faith has been betrayed many times. And this is why I find the words of Jesus here so wonderful. Verse 22. And Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Remember what we said is the question behind this answer of Jesus. Do you remember what we said it was? We said that according to Levi Matthew... The disciples want to know, how did the fig tree wither at once? And Jesus' explanation for how he has done this is in verse 22. Have faith in God. And Jesus has done this miracle by faith in God. And Jesus therefore here is not just calling his followers to our faith in God, he's saying... I have done this by faith in God. And you need to have faith in God. In fact, when you read Matthew's account, that point is even more clear. And I know that part of some of you here, you know, you're sitting here, you're thinking, how can Jesus live by faith when he is God? I thought you have been saying all along in this Mark series that Jesus is God. And so how can he then live by faith? Sure, he's just done this miracle because he's God. But well, he's already told you he's done it here by faith. And some of you who have been with us in Mark, of course, you've got the answer already, don't you? Your answer is that Jesus, of course, can have faith because Jesus is fully God and fully man. Two natures, two will in one person. The divine will and the human will. So he's done this because he's the God-man. If that's your answer, you get 50%, right? You are 50% there. Of course, Jesus can have faith because he's also fully human. To get the other fifty percent, you must add that Jesus, our God, has chosen to live as a man dependent on God the Spirit, without stopping being God. So his his, his composite personality, persona, so personality, so speak, the fact that he's a God man allows him to have the capacity to have faith as a as Christ the man. But Jesus has actually chosen to live as well as Christ the man without stopping being without stopping being God. And Jesus has to live as a man because he has to live for us. If Jesus does not live as a man, there is no salvation for us. If he does not live by faith, we cannot have faith. It's very important you understand that everything you have in Christ, Christ has it first. You get that? Every spiritual blessing that you enjoy, In Christ, Jesus first enjoyed those spiritual blessings. Because Jesus is Christ Jesus the man. So if we must live by faith before God, it is because Jesus himself lived by faith before God. Remember, he is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Now, of course, we do not yet, yet, have the perfect faith that Jesus has. Because Jesus was born perfect from birth. In his human nature. His faith was perfect. Do you remember Psalm 22 verse 9 to 10 says this. Do you remember that? Psalm 22 verse 9 to 10. The prophecy of Christ. It says that. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you. You made me have faith in you. We might read that. At my mother's breast. On you was I cast from cast from birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. That's a messianic prophecy. That's a prophecy of Jesus as the infant. The point is that even as an infant crying in the manger, Jesus is growing in stature and favor with both God and man, is growing in faith. Right? And the faith of Jesus as the God man is greater than our faith. Of course it is. Jesus was not just born perfect. In his human nature, he was so full of God the Spirit that he never even once in his human nature doubted the Father's love. And yet, we share the same God, the same God the Spirit. Jesus says, we are in union with God. The same Holy Spirit who lived in Christ, who filled Christ, lives in you and I if we trust in Jesus. And we share in the same faith, in union with him. And one day we will share in his perfection. Because the Bible says when we see him, we shall be as he is. As Christ Jesus the man is in his glory. If you are a true follower of Jesus, you can be confident that your faith in Jesus works. The faith in God works. Why? Because it worked for Jesus. Because it worked for Jesus. It's that simple. Because Jesus lived as a man dependent on God the Spirit, empowered by God the Spirit, still fully God, but living as a man, and it worked for him. and He did that for you, not just to be so that it can be imputed on you, but that through Jesus you can take that, his life as an example and to bless the trail for how you are to live. So we know faith works because Jesus, it worked for Jesus. And what Jesus has, we have in him. And the more you surrender, the more you become more and more like Jesus, the more the power of the Spirit of God will flow in your life. Increasingly, as it did in the life of Jesus. Every day we are being transformed to become more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved, what more encouragement do you need to have faith in God alone? What more encouragement do you need? First of all, you have the words of Jesus. Jesus. Have faith in God alone. Then you have Jesus himself telling you, I am living dependent on God. And if you do the same, the power of God will flow in through your life. What more encouragement do you need for any helpless, powerless situation? He is calling you to come this morning to surrender yourself and your situation to him, to him alone, whatever it is. He is saying to you, Have faith in God. Have faith in me, not in yourself, not in people, not in your spouse, not in your great career plans. Have faith in me. Surrender completely to me. Are you anxious about your child or your grandchild? Have faith in God. Take the matter to him in prayer and leave it with him to deal with. Are you worried about the future? Who perhaps you meet, who you marry, and so forth? Will they be godly? Have faith in God. Are you concerned about your spouse, who's perhaps unwell, and you really worry and you're wondering, Lord, what are you up to? Have faith in God. Are you worried about your place of work? Perhaps there's a bully at work, and you you're dreading to go to work, and you just feel powerless. Have Faith in God. Are you concerned perhaps, you know, know, things are fractured, you've got a relationship that is fractured perhaps, your husband doesn't yet love Christ and you're praying that God will serve them and every day you are seeing them get worse and worse and worse and you're worried about that. Have faith in God. Take the matter to God in prayer and let him deal with it. That's what Jesus is saying here. Are you worried about I have to hear this as a, as a pastor in the church? You, you're, worrying, you're looking at people in the church who once walked so fervently with the Lord. They rarely attend, perhaps they seem to have fallen off. And I'm worrying, I'm thinking, where those people where they truly converted? Have faith in God. Look to God. Bring the matter to God in prayer. Or perhaps you are very politically inclined. You are looking at how the culture is changing. You look at the government, the policies they are pursuing. You are worried about where this country is going to. This is a country that if Wuba was sort of, you know, lived today, would just collapse. And you are worried like that. And you... The answer is the same. Have faith in God. It may look impossible. It may look like a mountain. That's impossible. But surrender to the purposes of God. Have faith in him. And let us remember that all we have said only applies to those who have true serving faith in God already. Those who are already truly born again. The Bible, remember, says that sin has separated us from God. So you can't just get up in here, as it were, and have faith in God. Right? You must first surrender to God. You must be born again. You must have reached that point where you, regard, you you have accepted that you are a sinner and you are looking to the cross, the death of Christ, to save you from sin. And once you realize that you are a sinner and you are looking to the cross of Christ, you come before God, you repent of your sin. You trust before God to give you a new heart. And the Bible promises to give you a new heart, to make you born again. To forgive your sins, past, present, and future. When you surrender to God like that, you have a new life, and then you can obey the words of Jesus every day. Have faith in God. And so, if you don't know Christ, I encourage you to go before Him now, surrender to Him. And if you know Jesus already, well, the possibilities for you in Christ when you die to self to continue with God. Well, they are God sized. They are good sized. So have faith in God.